1: What's up, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the QB Factory Reboot, brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We are recording on Tuesday, April 5th, so happy April. You know, spring is here. It's not really feeling like it yet, but it's here. And we are 23 days away from the NFL draft.
2: Yeah. According to my trusty calendar, that's what it looks like
1: 23 days. It's literally right around the corner. Time is flying. And so the coverage continues. On today's episode, we're going to continue to talk about the QB rankings. And we also have some really, really big news to get into. We're going to unpack the Eagles-Saints-Blockbuster trade that went down on Monday. And we're going to share our thoughts. Who won the trade? You know? What are what are our thoughts on the trade? How does this impact Jalen Hurts? But I am your host, Rachel Provet. And like always, I am joined by my amazing co-host, the one and only QB expert, Mark Schofield, who just knows everything and he's the best. But before we even get started, don't forget to rate, don't forget to leave a review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media. At Twitter, you can follow us at BGN underscore radio. And on Instagram, you can follow us at Bleeding Green Insta. But yes, Mark, first and foremost, did you watch the
2: game last night? I didn't! Oh, I, did I, basically, I basically, Rachel, I just kind of followed along because I was uh, I'm working. I'm finalizing my top 16 wide receivers for the draft ooh. for USA Today because Doug Ferrar and I, we split up positions and we do top 11. But every year, about like halfway through watching receivers, I go back to Doug and I'm like, I can't narrow it to 11. And so last year I did top 14. This year I'm doing top 16. And so I was right. I was finishing that up because that's coming out I think Wednesday or Thursday. And I was just kind of like, I-, I need to do something that's not sports. Actually. So I, I like, and honestly, like weirdly enough, because of the draft and everything, mm-hmm. I don't watch a ton of college basketball anymore. I used to watch I low, don't
1: either like, until Mark mannis comes around. <laughs> when Mark Madness comes around, I'm on the bandwagon. I'm on Yeah.
2: Yeah. My brother in law is a he went to UNC undergrad. He's a huge oh. UNC guy. Uh, so he and his mom were there, like they were so at cool. the, the game Saturday night and then they were at the game last night. It, it, so I have another buddy um, who's also friends with my, my brother-in-law. He and his wife were at Chapel Hill. They went to the Dean Dome to watch the game you okay. know, there. So, but yeah, apparently I missed a good game.
1: You did. And I'm like an early bird. I'm sleep. If you know me, I am sleep every night by 10 and 10 p.m. You know, like, I go to sleep early, but I stayed up and I watched the entire thing, and it was really, really good. Of course, the team that I wanted to win, UNC, they lost, so it was kind of yeah. sad. But it was a hard-fought game the entire time and a really historic uh, comeback. That's yeah.
2: what i <laughs> I thought it was – like, I checked it on Twitter. I, I I was like, oh, man, UNC's running away with this. All right, well, I guess I don't need to turn it on. And then my wife and I were, like, watching TV, and she's like, do you want to turn this game on? I'm like, yeah. 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I guess I should have watched it.
1: Though. You should have, but it's, you know, it is what it is. You saw all the highlights. Everything you know, need to know is right on social media. So
2: yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of social media. That's the one good thing about it. Like if you yes. want to follow along with something that happens, whether it's a, a college basketball game, a, a Oscars moment that apparently yep. nobody will stop talking about. Yeah. Like, you just need Twitter. Need
1: Twitter. Yeah. Well, that's not what we're here for. We are here to talk. Eagles, we're this trade. Like, let's yep. get into freaking trade. But first, I'm sure you have your movie quotes. I have song lyrics.
2: Or do you have lyrics? Whatever. I, I, I do. I do have a movie quote because when we were flipping shadows, we came across a few good men, which... Okay is a classic and obviously the old lawyer in me loves it um and there there are many quotes from from that movie which are fantastic there's the oh you strenuously object oh that's how it works how you strenuously object your honor no i strenuously object that's that's always a good one the random shot from uh Jack Nicholson at Lieutenant Weinberg is always a good one. But then there's the moment where where Tom Cruise is drunk and he thinks the case is going away from them. And he's having this fight with Demi Moore and he's just like, shoot, shoot, let's play. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Which is just an incredible line. I mean, and my wife and I, we still quote that all the time. Um, never at each other. Maybe once uh, it was directed at me when she was asking if, you know, I. But it's a fantastic line, and as we get closer to the draft and teams make some, shall we say, curious decisions, it's a good reminder that playing the game, should we or should we not follow the advice of the Galactically Stupid, it is always a fun contest for everybody to partake in.
1: I like that. I like that. I chose movie quote, Um, big Disney fan, and I was torn between two different quotes, but the one that I went with is from Brave, the movie Brave. Um, and the main character, Merida, she says, you control your destiny. You don't need magic to do it. And there's there are no magical shortcuts to solving your problems. And uh, Howie Roseman definitely took yep. things into his own hands in this trade. Um, making this decision, I think, was a really good decision. I am here for it. Um, and I think that that shows that he sees the value in future picks, something that I don't think a lot of teams – you know, see. So the fact that he was able to do this, I don't think that the Eagles lost anything from this. I was happy that they had three first-round picks originally. I was like, yes, yes, they're gonna do this. But everybody else, you know, seems like it was a consensus knew that they were going to get rid of one. So he did what he had to do. It was no magic to it. It was just, you know, he controlled the he controls the Eagles' destiny, and I think that he is setting them up for the long run in a good position.
2: I love that. And I'm a big fan of this move. I mean, you know, I'm curious your thoughts on it from where I sit. It's kind of like in a way, isn't this kind of what we hope they would do? You know, we we had talked on this show about adding a a first round pick in next year's draft because that gives you your, your Jalen hurts hedge, right? Like, we all want Jalen Hurts to get to where he needs to be as a quarterback. We all want to see him take those steps forward. And we've, we've talked a lot on this show about what he needs to do to get there. We've talked with other people about what he needs to do to get there. And you hope that you don't need to use a, a picks on quarterbacks next year. But if you have to, as we're seeing right now, you might need multiple picks in the first round to go get that guy. You know, you might need two picks in the first round. You might need two picks in the first round, plus that extra pick in the third round or an extra pick in a future second round or, Which they got in this draft, in in this trade. And so I think it gives them that hedge. And it also, you're you still sitting at 15 and 18. Good. You're going to get very good players with those picks. Like, you go in a number of different directions and we can talk about guys like Devin Lloyd or Trevor Walker or whoever you want them to draft. Mm -hmm. They're still in range to get those players. And so I think it's that rare move where they, I mean, I think they quote one. Uh, But I think the Saints put themselves in a position to do what they need to do. They have positions that they could address. You know, there's been some speculation that maybe they have to address tackle or Mm -hmm. maybe they are taking 16 and 19 and looking at five. Because I think right now, if you're a team that wants to draft a quarterback, you've got to get to five. That's the spot. Because Carolina sit there at six. They didn't trade for Garoppolo. They didn't trade for Baker. They have no picks until like 147. So it's not like they have a lot of draft capital to move up even more. They're hoping against hope that Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett or somebody they like is there at six. So if you want to get one of those guys, you're going to get to the Giants at five. And the Giants have picked at five and seven. And so maybe the Saints are like, we're going to put two players together, 16 and 19, two picks together. We're going to try to get to five, get ahead of Carolina, draft our guy. And now Carolina Panthers, I do drafting QB two at six. And the Eagles are going to see quarterbacks come off the board at six, at five, and mm-hmm. you're going to get players falling down. So where, from where I sit as somebody watching this from an Eagles viewpoint, I love it for Philadelphia.
1: Same. Go. Same. And I think both teams had to have a motive going into this situation. I think that the Eagles – I mean, looking at the graphic that Adam Schefter tweeted out, first and foremost, when he first tweeted this out, I think everybody was kind of like, what the, heck? what the F is this? You know, it was so many numbers. My head was like, I had to read it and read it and read it. So when they tweeted out the graphic, I was like, thank you, thank you. You know, it helped so much just to understand it because it was so much going on. And like looking at the graphic, the Eagles received, like you said, number 18 pick, number 101. That's the third uh, round pick. 237. Which is seventh round, and then they get the 2023 first round and the 2024 second round pick. The Saints received uh the Eagles number 16 pick, which they originally had number 19 pick, and number 194, which is sixth round pick. So, like you said, the Eagles didn't lose anything from this. I think no. we all knew that they weren't keeping the first the three first round picks from the jump, you know? So the fact that they are at number 15 and number 18 now, like they didn't, nothing really changed. They're still in really good position. But like I was saying, I think that we, this tells you that the Saints have their eye on somebody. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I don't think that they would have di- gave all of this up if they weren't de- in desperate need of a player that they they know is going to be a game changer. So and that's, what
2: they were doing? That's the other thing, Rachel. With this, this looks like with everything that the Eagles got, you usually pay that quarterback premium, right? When you're making a trade to come up to get a quarterback, you pay a little bit more. It's kind of the cost of doing business. And when you're seeing them give up a twenty three first, a 24 second, the pick in the third round, you know, the seventh and the sixth, that late round pick swap. I yeah. always kind of like brush that aside. But when you're talking about this other stuff that they're, you know, giving up just to basically add a pick in a couple of spots ahead of where they're at, that's a lot, you yeah. know? And, and so that makes you feel like, yes, this is that quarterback premium. Now, like I said, others have said, you know what? They've got other needs, like like yeah. they, career and tackle with these picks, right? Like, they've got a need on the offensive line. And maybe they're looking at – I know Darren Olofsky said the Chargers at 17 might address tackle. They drafted Rashawn Slater, obviously, the first round last year. But they need a right tackle. And if you're thinking you got to get a tackle, you might want to get ahead of them at 17. So it's a possibility they paid that to go get a tackle that might be tackle four at this class at that point. Or you're paying the premium to give yourself a shot to get to five. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's more likely – of course, the monkey wrench in all of this potentially is what Detroit does it too, yeah. You know? Because a lot of people have have come around to the idea that cover the lines that look. You know what? This idea that we're going to take a quarterback at thirty-two or later in the first round or come up a couple spots, just draft the guy at two. And, and so, if Willis does indeed come off the board at two, which again, I don't know if you would do it, but it seems like he might, then New Orleans is probably like, okay, well, are we happy coming up to five for QB two? We just say, "All right, we'll we'll see what happens, and maybe a quarterback they like gets into that eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve range, and they can move up again for that player." It's we'll see. I mean, but uh, but I think with what they paid, it feels quarterback adjacent.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and <laughs> I'm stuck in this place. Okay, one, there's so many different ways I want – different directions I want to go with this. So I'm going to go the Jalen Hurts route. Yeah. I think that – you know, I was seeing so many different um, tweets talking about, like, how this is, you know, insurance. And this is, you know, a safety net for the Eagles because they know that – bear with me, I'm getting over a cold – They know that Jalen Hurts, they're not sold on him yet. And we've talked about this. We talk about this every single week. You know, he hasn't really proven himself yet. I think he did a good job this past season. You know, when people ruled him out, he did a lot better than they expected. You know, making it to the playoff, that was an accomplishment. But the Eagles are pretty much saying, with this, now that they have the first-round pick uh, for next season, and you talk about that draft class all the time, Spencer Rattler, you talk about, you know, Bryce Young they know that if Jalen Hurst does not do what he has to do this season and make these strides that he needs to make and these drastic improvements, they're going to be good regardless because they have the draft capital that they need in order to get a quarterback from the better class, which is
2: 2023. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's the approach you've yeah. given yourself that path. And we talk a lot about how the more pathways you have to success, whether it's in a game roster construction, whatever, the better off you'll be. And Howie Roseman talked about that at the Combine. He said, look, you know, the draft, it's not an exact science, but the more bites of the apple you have, the more picks that you have, the more likely in the end you'll get a better draft class as a result. If you have eight picks and hit on four, you've got four good players. If you have three picks and hit on one, you've got one good player. Like The more picks you have, the better off your odds will be. Yeah. The problem, though, is the grass always looks greener. You know and this quarterback class is a great example of that because we're all sitting there right now we're like what do you do with malik willis what do you do with kenny pickett what do you do with desmond Ritter? what do you do with these guys next year's class looks great bryce young cj stroud spencer rather phil Jakovic, will levis like this is going to be a much better class next year it doesn't always work out that way i mean this time last year it was oh man you know this quarterback class we're getting five in the top 15 that's great Teams have passed on it, though. They might be thinking Spencer Rattler is going to be great. Sam Howell is going to be great. They didn't work out. It didn't pan out that way. And I'm also reminded of in, in 2017 when myself and others were saying, hey, this Patrick Mahomes guy is pretty good. You might want to look at him. A lot of people were saying, I don't know, man. This kid coming out next year is going to be fantastic in this 2018 class. And they were talking about Josh Allen. They weren't talking about Lamar Jackson. They were talking about Sam Darnold. Like, things change over time. And so right now it, it, it is fantastic that on paper, they have the ammunition potentially if they have to, to go get a quarterback. And we expect that CJ Stroud might be that guy or Bryce Young or any of these players, but you never know. And that's sort of the uncertainty about a move like this. Like mm-hmm. you give yourself that future capital if you need it, but you don't know what might be there when you get around to using it.
1: Mm-hmm. I was like, the one thing that I am taking away from this, which is going to be pressure on Hertz regardless is, regardless of what everyone has to say this was like fate for him like the Eagles wanted Russell Wilson at one point that didn't that fell through it you know like he didn't want to come to Philly and now and the fact that this is happening they've already been vocal about you know Jalen Hurts is our guy and they've said it but now that this has happened it's really proved and and showed us that Jalen Hurts is the guy this year you know now and it's yeah. up to him to make those drastic improvements and really, really prove that he's the guy. But I think that that just tells us and proves us that he was supposed to get this opportunity. Like he was supposed to get this chance this year to prove, you know, if he is capable of doing what he has to do to be the franchise guy. So to me, this is all like it was supposed to play out like this. You know, things have happened in order for it
2: to work out this way. So it's it's a great example of like, you know, when coaches and general managers like talk like, yeah, listen to what they have to say, but then watch what they actually do. Right. You know, because they're telling us at the Combine, Sirianni saying it, Roseman saying it like, yeah, Jalen Hurts is our guy. But behind the scenes, they're trying to get Russell Wilson, which you can understand. And and that might have been coming from up top. You know, the owner has said many times, like, he's the guy that sort of got away. And we regret that we didn't get a chance to land him. Now you have an opportunity to explore the trade. It doesn't fall through. It falls through. You don't be able to do it. And so what's your next move? Instead of moving up with the three first round picks you have to potentially get to five to draft a quarterback. They trade one of them away for next year, which is a sign that okay, well, we couldn't get Wilson, so now we're going to stick with Hertz. We're going to give him this year, put talent around him with those two picks, and if it doesn't pan out, now we've got two picks in next year's first round. We can then be aggressive and go get our guy. Having said that, the gal- you know I could be galactically wrong, you know they could still decide, hey, we're going to take 15, we're going to take 18, and we're going to go up. Could that happen? I'd give it maybe a 5% chance of happening, but maybe, I mean, I think it's more likely that I, I've seen some Eagles fans and Eagle Twitter speculate about a later round quarterback, like round four or something. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe if a guy falls, Um, but uh, I think it, it's far more likely that they're going to just build around Hertz this year, add premier players, talented players at a number of different spots and then see what happens. I mean, you've still got, basically five picks in the top 100, you know, because you get to pick up 101, that one from the Saints. You've got 15, 18, 51, 83, and 101. That's a lot of talent. And with, you know, three picks in that 50 to 100 range, you're going to get good players in that range. I think that's kind of the sweet spot of this draft. And so I I think it's overall a very good move.
1: Howie Roseman really deserves a hand clap. Like, yeah, he did, does. He did he a great job. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, do you think, because, you know, right before this, he signed his contract extension. So I was like, I don't know. It's just this is a really good place to be in. Do you I don't think this erases some of the stuff that he's done in the past by any means, right. but I think that th- this is a good place to be in. And now we just have to have faith that he doesn't screw up the draft. Like, they have 10 picks right now um, right. total. Um, And like you said – the five of them, that's
2: like top 100. And I I think he also, look, I'm trying to find out exactly, okay. So Ben Baldwin tweeted out last night after this trade, he's on Twitter, at Ben B. Baldwin. So the Eagles basically turned Carson Wentz into a first round pick for next year, a second round pick for 2024, and a third round pick for this year you know, because they basically flipped the, you know, with the pick that they got from the Eagles. That's pretty impressive. I mean, and it's also kind of crazy to think about what teams have gotten for Carson Wentz over the past couple of, you know, moves here, past couple of weeks, because not only what Roseman did, but what Chris Ballard did after he just obliterated the guy at the combine then turns around and gets potentially a pair of second round picks for him or, you know, the the second, third round pick potentially. And so good for those guys, I guess.
1: And. I've also seen people talk about it the same way with this year. Like last year worked out really, really well for us. You know, every week we were tracking what is going down with the Colts, you know, because we wanted to see how that draft pick was going to pan out. And I've seen people talk about that with this year's, you know, with next year's in regards to the Saints uh, picks that we got. Like, oh, well, how do you know that it's going to pan out that way for you guys? And it's kind of just like, we're going to be, literally track doing the same thing track it every week how are the saints doing because we're gonna want it you know to work out in our
2: favor yeah i mean if if the saints have a really bad year i mean that's that could be a pick as early as like the 70s yeah
1: it's gonna be interesting did you see the tweet that ian Rappaport tweeted out when he said uh he was explaining the rationale for both the saints and the eagles but for the eagles part is that they now don't have to pay three first fully guaranteed contracts, get an extra one next year, either for a quarterback or to build around a quarterback. So what, what yeah. were your initial thoughts when you saw that tweet?
2: Yeah, Did I mean, you know? I think that's a really smart point because, you know, that also gets to the idea of they probably weren't going to use all three of these picks anyways, because right. you're you're now going to have three players at first round contracts. Like, you know, that's a lot. And especially mm-hmm. if you're thinking about what if you hit on two of them? Now you're thinking about potentially, you know, two second-year contracts for guys that you drafted in the first round that you now have to pay big contract extensions to. Like, there's some of the math that goes into it as well. Now you've sort of spread that out where, say, you hit on these two this year and you hit on the two guys next year or you turn that into a quarterback. You've at least spread out the allocation of that space over a longer period of time rather than, like, sort of front-loaded into this year. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I thought thought that made a lot of sense. I hadn't thought about it that way, but – the tweet makes a, a lot of sense.
2: So Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's similar to why, you know, as it stands right now, the Eagles have, what, five, six, seven, eight? Yeah, I mean, they've got a, 10 picks.
1: Yeah, 10 picks?
2: And I don't think they're making all 10 picks. I mean, because nah. you're probably going to flip some of these later ones and move around a little bit Uh, because that's 10 guys that you've got to at least give some initial contracts to. And it's, yeah, they're probably going to whittle that down a little bit more. But as we start at the outset, like, yeah, you know, she'll have 10 bites of the apple. Mm-hmm. So you've got an opportunity to add some guys, especially on day three where sometimes drafts are won and lost on the third day of the draft when everybody's moved on to the Masters.
1: Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think this is a good place to be. I can't stop but smiling, you know, just thinking. They're in a good position. You could be yeah. down and out. Some of these other teams are down and out. So the fact that they have this much draft capital to work with, cap space, the Eagles are in a really good position, and this could be like a upward – trajectory for them if they do right by this yeah.
2: so i mean we could be bears fans and they have six picks and <laughs> don't pick until 39 and it's not like they're the rams who at least want a super bowl when they don't pick again but try being a bears fan right now friends yeah
1: not fun i wouldn't want that i wouldn't want that at all but we're gonna take a really quick break and when we get back from the break we're gonna dive into qb rankings so make sure you guys don't go anywhere we will be right back Literally okay. recently. And you were, you know, pretty much looking mm-hmm. at the QB draft prospects and ranking them. So we're going to get into that. And I know that you started the article talking about Carson Wentz. We had already talked about Carson Wentz going to the Washington commander. So, and how that move has had such a, has pretty much like told us what we need to know about this draft class. So let's get into it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of, you know, it's something we've touched on here, which is Draft The NFL has some questions. They have some healthy skepticism, shall we say, about this quarterback class. It's because we've seen teams that need a guy to start week one, teams that had a need for a starting quarterback for the first week of the NFL season that's coming up. Went got veterans. Atlanta, they trade away Matt Ryan. They bring in Marcus Mariota. Um, Indianapolis, they trade away Carson Wentz. They add Matt Ryan. Obviously Washington. They're sitting at 11 overall in the draft potentially with a shot to draft any of these guys and they traded for Carson Wentz a week after Chris Ballard torched him at the combine and not just traded for him. They gave up two picks, one of which could increase in value and took on his entire salary, you You know, know, on down the line teams that were in position to potentially draft a quarterback and play him early said, no, no, no. We're going to sign Mitchell Trubisky instead. Like that tells you, I think what you need to know. It's similar to the, what we were just talking about. Yeah. Listen to what coaches and general managers say, but then watch what they do. Yeah. Howie Roseman, other general managers, other coaches. Yeah. This is a good quarterback class. Like there are some really talented kids in here. Oh, by the way, we're going to try to trade for Russell Wilson. Oh, by the way, we are going to trade for Russell Wilson. Oh, by the way, we're going to trade for Carson Wentz after Chris Ballard just obliterated his value and left everybody in Indianapolis. wondering if the Colts could even get a day three pick for him, or if they would have to give up picks in addition to traded him away and instead Washington gave up what they did not took on his contract. So, I mean, I, I think that's sort of – I've talked a little bit about, like, sort of these seismic events that have impacted how people and how the league is feeling about the quarterback position in yes. general. And, and this Wentz move is sort of one of those where it's like they've got some questions. Now, do I feel they're warranted? Maybe with respect to, say, Week won't. Like maybe if you're going to sit back and look at this quarterback class on the whole and ask yourself, can any of these guys start right away? I don't know about that, but to use our usual, like Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's like timeline. I think there are guys in this class that could play by like Halloween. And so, you know, maybe signing Marcus Mariota as a stopgap makes some sense, but trading for Carson Wentz, if you might want to address quarterback, I don't know about that.
1: So let's get into the ranking
2: rankings, which are sure. To be wrong. And we'll, I can sort of start this way. Like the consensus top six, everybody has sort of in this order. I mean, in that group at the top, like th- there might be some stragglers, like my buddy, Matt Waldman. I think he has um Skyler Thompson a little bit higher than even I do. And I thought I was high on him, uh, but most people have in some order. I'm going to try to do it alphabetically. I think I've got it memorized by now. Uh, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, Carson Strong, Malik Willis. Like, they have those guys in some order in their top six. And if you want to tell me any of those guys in your mind is, like, QB1, all right, I I could see a case for it. Like, Matt Corral, athletic, quick release. I cut down on the interceptions. He had 11 interceptions in just two games two years ago. He had five against LSU and six against Arkansas, which is just, like, I couldn't imagine ever throwing six interceptions a game. Not what I – you know, didn't have the ability to do that. I certainly had the ability to throw six interceptions a game. Like my coaches never gave me a chance. They pulled me after two, yeah. um, but cut down on the interception. Certainly a talented guy, uh, Sam Howell, m- most efficient, productive, deep ball thrower in this class. Like certainly fits a vertical passing game. And it showed last year, he was their second lead in Russia when they lost Javante Williams to the NFL and Michael Carter and DME Brown. It's like, okay, I can run the football, you know, and I even compared it to Jalen hurts. He reminds me a lot. Of Hurts, the ability to throw downfield and the ability as a runner. You know, I think there's a PFF's Mike Renner has him as QB1. Okay, fine. I, I, okay. I um, Kenny Pickett, you see the strides he made last year. You see how he took Pitt, which was a, you know, an okay team. It won an ACC championship. Like you see him win some big games. You see him throw well on the move, the questions, response to pressure, and of course the hand size that's sort of liggering out there. Uh, I, I, I like Desmond Ritter a lot a lot of people really like Desmond Raider. There are some people that have him as QB1 and I can understand it. You can see it from the mental perspective. You can see the athleticism, 452 speed which we saw on the field on some designed runs and things like that. The sort of hand up there is accuracy. Now he's gotten better. You know, 3 seasons ago it was bad, 2 seasons ago it was pretty shaky, this year it was better. But you got to put the football where it needs to be, where yeah. it needs to be there. And mm-hmm. that's that's kind of part of the job. Um Carson Strong might be QB1. 10 years. Right. Oh, I'm going to say new. really. <laughs> he's drew Bledsoe. He, In my mind, he's drew blood. So, okay. Okay. He's got a huge arm, but whether it's because of the knee, whether right, it's the injury. or whatever, he yeah. can't move that well. Um, and is drew blood. So, even though he got drafted first overall years ago, is that kind of quarterback getting drafted first overall right now with where the game is? I don't think so. We saw it a couple of years with Dwayne Haskins, you know, a similar quarterback, you know, huge arm. Couldn't move that Well, And he fell to the middle of the first round. And I think things have changed since even then. So a quarterback with that kind of arm talent, but that lack of mobility, that's going to be an issue for NFL teams. Now he can create space and slide, but it's not. I think teams are going to be wary, plus the medical history. And and then there's Malik Willis, who out of all the guys in this class, one of those other seismic events that I talked about, that Bill's Chiefs playoff game, where you had Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, Doing alien type things, Willis seemed like the guy, or at least seems like the guy in this class, that has the most potential to get to that level. Now, maybe it's a 5% chance, maybe it's a 10% chance, maybe there's other guys in this class like Piggin and Ritter that have a better floor, but he might have the best ceiling out of anybody. The question is going to be can you get him there? You know, Got it. the team that drafts him is going to think we can do with him what the Bills did with Josh Allen. And okay. maybe they're right. But if they're not, then you're sort of wondering what he can be. Now, I think he could still be a good NFL quarterback if he doesn't get to his ceiling, but other guys might end up being better if he doesn't get close to his ceiling. And so that's kind of this top six in a nutshell. I went with Willis is my one just because. Yeah. and, And I think Rachel and, you know, maybe you feel the same way in this draft class, take the swing. Like just, just take the swing on the upside. like, you know, it's, it's not like last year's where maybe the upside guy was a fields or Lance, but you knew like, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is going to be really good. Like, you know, maybe he doesn't have as close to his ceiling as some of these other guys, but it's pretty close. Like this is different. Like Pickett could be a good NFL quarterback, but I'm not sure is, you know, he's more the Mac Jones of this group. Right. Where it's like, yeah, yeah. He could be a good quarterback, but. I don't know about the ceiling. I don't know if what he could potentially be is going to be close to what Willis could potentially be. And so in this kind of year, you're just kind of like, look, I'll take the swing. Yes.
1: You literally just answered the question I was going to ask you. So thank you. But that's what I was going to ask. Like, I know I think strongly that Malik Willis is going to be the first QB drafted, but I have been seeing a lot of people talking about Kenny Pickett. Um, so I was like, why would, they, like, what's the, like, what are they seeing him over Malik Willis? But you yeah, much- I mean, I
2: th- I think the case for Pickett over Willis is he's got the safer floor, mm. you know, it, okay. it's look, if, if you draft Kent, well, there, there's a caveat to that, you know, because let's take, let's slide Mac Jones in for a second. If you've got Malik Willis, Mac Jones staring you in the face, like you draft Mac Jones, you win a national championship, like comes from Alabama, like accurate guy. Like you're probably not going to get fired if it goes south. But if you draft Mm -hmm. Malik Willis over him, you might get fired if it goes south. There's a potential similar argument at play with Pickett Willis. The problem is Pickett's also an outlier, right? You're going to pass on Malik Willis to draft the guy that might have the nice floor, but as the smallest hand since Michael Vick, he's not Michael Vick. Yeah. No. (laughs) You know, that Kenny Pickett's an athletic quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's not Michael Vick. And I I think Kenny Pickett would tell you that too. Like few quarterbacks since have been. And so he's still an outlier. And so do we see a Desmond Ritter slide in potentially by default? Interestingly enough, the the league seems more down on Ritter um, than I think people on the outside like Seth Galina, Nate Tice, uh, Derek Lawson, other guys that sort of studied the position are really high on Ritter. And I can understand why, Um, because again, the mental side and, you know, plays the position extremely well, um, does some of the things that you need at the position from a a mental and a progression standpoint. You know, the accuracy is my sort of hand up with him talking with some people last night about these quarterbacks. There were some people think, are we doing to Ritter what we did with Herbert, which was, well, we're not kind of sure about him. So we're going to like step away and see what happens. And we're missing the fact that he might be the best guy in this group. I don't know if we're there, but me. Um, okay. But it's just, again, I'm, I think you and I are on the same page here. In, in this quarterback group, you take the swing. Yeah. Right? You take, and I think we're also starting to see this trend towards, you know, results over process. Okay. For years at the position, you Know myself, others, I think we're so dogmatic. And you know, can they read coverages? Can they go through progressions? No, can you throw the football where it needs to be? Do you know where the nearest defender is and can you put the football away from him? when the play breaks down and you get a free rusher in your face? Can you make a miss and create? You know, the results are starting to matter more than the process of playing the position. And we've talked about Lamar Jackson, right? Yep. And how Coach Petrino at Louisville said, I had to come up with a second grading system because there were sometimes where. You know the check the box type of quarterback play. Look at the safeties, first read, second read, third read, check down. You know Lamar didn't do that because mm-hmm. he looked at the safety, saw that first read, saw a, a tiny little gap, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to take off here. And I'm going to a 60 yard run. Yeah, and he's like, how can I grade that as a negative? He just really? 60 yards, so he came up with this like decision and results grading system, which was okay. Your initial decision wasn't what we wanted you to do but then you ripped off a 65 yard gain. So we'll give you an a plus for that. And maybe a C for the decision. Like coaches, I think philosophically are changing as well, where it's like, yeah, we used to want the guy that's going to hand in the pocket and make the reads the drew Bledsoe. now we're, we're okay with the Kyler Murray because we know what that can do. And we know that the way the game is trending and with the way the game is trending, the guy that paints by the numbers, Kenny Pickett might wait a little bit longer than the guy that can create Malik Willis.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. I like that you brought that up. Yeah, and I well, have to they, do some research on that. But that's true. The game yeah. is not the same as it was. You know, it's, it's exactly with the
2: times. I'm sorry. It, yeah, and that's why I think. Look, in you know, if this were ten years ago, we'd be talking about Carson Strong a lot more, and people would be saying like, "Yeah, like yeah, we're worried about the medicals, but he'll throw a brace on, he'll be fine. He can grip it and rip it." You know, when you're when you're talking about guys like Jordan Davis, who at 341 pounds can run a 478, like. Yes. You know, and I get to, for the Blog of the Boys show, a little plug here. Uh, okay. Connor Livesey and I sat down with Nicobe Dean last night, the Georgia linebacker. Oh, uh, interviewed him, And he's talking about, you know, he was talking about, like, the workouts that those guys did on defense and, okay. like, how athletic they are. It's like, yeah, when you've got guys that are 341 pounds that can run 4.7.8, you better be able to move as a quarterback. Like, when you're talking about a guy like Nicobe Dean, who people are saying he's not running the 40 because, you know, he's slow. Watch his pick six against Florida where he hit, like, two, 22 miles per hour. Like, that dude's not slow. Watch him on that play against Michigan where he tracks the back across the formation on a swing route, chases him down for a tackle for a loss. Don't tell me that dude's slow. Like, when you've got guys like that out lining up across the field from you as a quarterback, you better be able to run a 4 Or you, four. Don't, you don't have a chance. Be able to run a 4-4. Four, four. Yes, like, you so don't have like, a chance. The game has changed. You've got to has- be able to, like, move. Like, you need some mobility. and so. Guys like Willis Ritter, Matt Corral, um, the guys that can sort of move, even even Sam Howell showed that this year. I think the leads going to look at them and say, "Yeah, we need guys like that." Because if you can't move from the spot, you're dead in the water. Yeah, I
1: agree. Right there with you.
2: Yeah, but we're twenty three
1: days away. That's crazy. Literally
2: yeah, crazy. We're twenty four days away from talking about C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young show.
1: The fact that it starts, like, I'm like, can you guys chill? Like, chill. I saw something. Um, I'm losing it. It was on uh, NFL Live. And I was like, huh? Why are we talking about this so early? But whatever.
2: Whatever. No, just just wait until the Saturday night the draft ends. You will see mock drafts. I, uh, I will have watch lists. I mean, my buddy Trevor Sycamore dropped his first mock draft um like literally the last pick was turned in at last year's draft and five minutes later he tweeted it out. like his way too early mock draft for the next year like we people don't stop
1: no don't they stop. don't stop they're like on to the next I need to know yeah. I need to be on to the next
2: and I, I I love the way too early mock drafts when it's like you don't even know like who's gonna be picking where like but no it's With respect to the way too early watch drafts, they're a nice watch list resource. Okay. It gives you some names to know for the next year. Like I've been talking about quarterbacks, you know, Stroud, you know, young, but will Levis from Kentucky, Phil Chicova from Boston college, Spencer Rattler. Now at South Carolina. Like there are quarterbacks to start thinking about for next year's draft. And as always, somebody will come out of nowhere. We'll be like, who is this guy? You know, this year's version of Kenny Pickett. And so, you know, we'll get guys sort of coming out of nowhere, but we are 23 days away. We can almost, we could see that light at the end of the tunnel. We
1: literally can see it. So I am anxious and getting excited. And we are going to keep this draft coverage coming to you guys. We have some really big things in store. So make sure you be on the lookout, you know, every day we're putting out new content, but that's going to be a new, that's going to be a wrap. My apologies for this episode of the QB factory reboot. Don't forget to rate. Don't forget to leave a review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media. Follow me
2: and Mark on social media. You can follow, follow Rachel. me. I've said before, I'm going to stop asking nicely. I'm, I'm getting mad now. I'm getting yes. Mad. <laughs> follow me
1: at Rachel Monique. Follow Mark at Mark Schofield. You know, for all of the content, check out Mark's article that he wrote. Be supportive. But any last words, Mark?
2: As always, go Heels.